pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 12. Today we're going to chat with Julie Gala from Kansas City, make a prank call to a local gun range, and talk about the Smith & Wesson M&P 2.0 Shield. Today's panel is Lacey Lane and I'm Ava Flannell. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Did you have any? Uh, <laughs> do you have any Halloween plans? Uh, just the usual, the usual trick or treat kind of fun. Uh, when you have kids, you no longer get to do fun Halloween parties for adult sorts of things. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you know, you just cram all the kids in the car and run for, run for the the suburbs and get some candy. <laughs> so that's about it. <laughs> what are you doing, Lacey? Um, well, actually, we did do a Halloween party um, on Saturday night. That was interesting. <laughs> and then we were going trick-or-treating as well. So Nice. So I did not go to a Halloween party this weekend because I worked so much and I was exhausted. And I don't have kids, so I'm not going trick-or-treating. Although maybe Tickles would like it. <laughs> go get dog bones. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> so this weekend I, I shot a video uh, wearing a onesie and the video is posted on YouTube. Uh, it's slightly embarrassing, but kind of funny. So I thought it was pretty funny. One of the rifles that I shot to uh, explode the pumpkins was uh, a rifle that is using Huntac gear. And I have their V1 series on the rifle, which you can see I have right here next to me. Uh, have you heard of Huntac Gear, Julie? I actually have not. So this is an so educational experience. It's a it's a smaller company. They're located in California, and they just came out with the V1 series. So they have this handguard, the forward uh, grip, and then their upper. But you can kind of see a little bit. Um, everything is extremely skeletonized, so it makes it really lightweight. It's just it's made really well. If anybody is interested in checking out their products. They were nice enough to give a uh, give us a code for fifteen percent off. So you you would just use Gun Funny fifteen, and you can receive fifteen percent off any of their products. They also sell hunting gear, so I know hunting is uh, going on right now. So if you guys are interested in getting any of any of their hunting gear, you could use that code as well. Contact Jake. Tell him we sent you. He's a really nice guy, and he'll help you find whatever you're looking for. So Julie, should we talk about you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. All right, Julie. So for those who do not know who you are, which is like a small percentage and they <laughs> obviously are living under a rock, could you tell them what your role in the gun community is? Sure. Um, I'm one of those. I have the best job in the world. Let me put it this way. I am what they call a professional competition shooter, which means I get to travel around the United States and sometimes even internationally to compete in various different competitions. My uh, forte happens to be speed shooting with handguns. Um, and I've been doing that since pro gig, I guess you could call it, was when I joined the Army back in the uh, 90s. I'm dating myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, so <laughs> basically, I, I get to do that. But in amongst all of that, the role of a professional shooter has changed and evolved over the years. So now we do a lot more than just run around and compete. We also do demonstrations and do filming and product videos and uh, also connect with 
uh, you know, the internet and, and the audiences much in the way like a, an influencer would in another industry. So that's kind of how I, I do and manage things. What made you want to enroll in, in the military? I was definitely a connection with shooting. I was recruited to shoot for the U.S. Army Marksmanship Unit out of high school. So uh, I had this big dream that I wanted to be a professional shooter. And uh, that was really the best way to do it at the time. <laughs> so uh, I joined uh, right out of high school. How did the guys feel when you were out shooting them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's it, it didn't start out that way. Obviously, as a, a kid growing up, I, I had a lot to learn. But once I started to do really well locally and even uh, nationally, the, the neat thing about where I started was I was pretty much the only young girl at the range. And that's not something we see now. We see a lot of young ladies shooting out there, which is a really great thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, when I started doing better than them, it was like, oh, this is amazing. And it was a really supportive community. And it still is. So it, it's, uh, it's not uh, one of those things where there are a few guys out there who always, you know, get a little bit out of shape. But, you know, <laughs> they eventually go away. <laughs> With that, how do you feel or how did you get into competing? So um, it started out with me not getting along with my brother and sister at home. I'm the middle child, the troublemaker. Um, and so uh, I ended up having to have to spend time with dad all the time because I couldn't be trusted. I would instigate too many things, right? Um, so that eventually led to me hanging out uh, on the range with him and hunting to eventually saying, hey, this is kind of cool. I, I really like hanging out with dad. And we became basically best friends. So he uh, was uh, very active in IPSC shooting, practical shooting. And so we we did it together. Well, have you always been sponsored by Smith & Wesson? Um, you know, funny story. My very first gun sponsor as a junior was Smith & Wesson. Uh, I, I got sponsored by them right before I joined the Army. And then when I joined the Army, obviously the U.S. government and the wonderful United States of America became my sponsor. <laughs> um, and then after that, uh, I've shot for a few different companies here and there. But I've been shooting for Smith for over 10 years now. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, and your daughter recently started shooting. So yes. tell us about that. You know, it's it's always, I think, a dream of yours to have your child follow in your footsteps if you're a parent. And it never, you never really know how it's going to turn out because you don't want to push too hard. You don't want to be too excited about it. You don't want to have all these unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. um, and the first time I took my daughter out to the range, uh, she was five and she hit the target five times and then she was done. <laughs> She's like, yeah, this is cool. I'm great. I'm awesome. I know everything there is to know because I'm five. Um, uh, and that was that. And uh, fast forward four years, um, I asked her if she wanted to, you know, start maybe competing and give it a, an honest go again. And she was into it. And I didn't have any expectations when I brought her to the range that time. And, you know, I was just like, all right, well, put a 22 in your hands and see how it goes. And she had the target. I was like, holy cow, this might be easy. <laughs> and so uh, she had fun. I had fun. And then we decided, you know what, let's let's do this. And so we went to our first competition in Alabama this month. It was, I can't believe it was this month. It's like October's flown by, but it was just absolutely the neatest thing. And she, she loved it. So I'm hopeful. What was the gun that you started her out on? The, the very first, um, <clears throat> the very first gun we had her shoot was a little, I think it was a cricket. Uh -huh. uh, it was dark pink because, you know, it had to be dark pink. <laughs> um, and uh, she really struggled with it. So then we transitioned to the MP 1522 so we could bring the stock all the way down and make it fit her better. We put it on a tripod so she wouldn't have to hold it. And that's when she had the target five times. Um, fast forward, of course, to now I had her start out with an MP 22 compact mm -hmm. pistol. 
and that really fit our hands well. And then for the actual competition, we transitioned to a Smith & Wesson victory with a red dot to make things even easier. So I want to do a balance of both. I want her to be able to learn how to shoot iron sights mm -hmm. and be comfortable and confident with all of the gun controls, being able to handle a firearm safely, load and unload it. Um, but uh, there's something simpler and easy about shooting a red dot in a victory that's just so simply, you know, simple to set up. So um, a lot of people say it's hard to teach uh, loved ones how to shoot. What would you say about that? Oh, it, it, it can be. <laughs> it can be tough. Um, I think you really have to go into it on both ends as the student and the teacher with a really open mind. Like if you're harboring any resentment that the dishwasher didn't get unloaded, yeah, it's not <laughs> gonna be a good day at the range. It's just not, right? And I find myself in those situations too. Even even with my daughter, um, we when we started competing, there was the, in this specific sport, Rimfire Challenge, you have to shoot a rifle and a pistol. And we were struggling with her with the rifle. She just wasn't big enough. She wasn't strong enough. And I could just see it in her face. And I so wanted her to be able to, to do it. But we both had to take a step back and said, you know what? It doesn't matter. Let's do what we can do with what we have right now. And let's have a good time. And so you have to have the right attitude. And the second you feel yourself getting frustrated, you need to stop press pause and figure out, all right, what is this going to be a catalyst moment where things can suddenly go wrong? And uh, now this person that I really want to shoot with me doesn't want to shoot anymore. What do I need to do to fix that? Yeah, definitely. Ignoring the stuff like the obvious, like hard work, practice, etc. How would you prepare women uh, that were interested in entering the firearm industry um, in order to give them the best chance of success? Uh, as far as like an employment opportunity or just shooting No, in just, just shooting. Uh, if they wanted to, let's say, get into, you know, like local competitions and stuff or even, you know, just go to the range on weekends and fire a gun or have a gun for home protection. Any, basically right. all of the above. You know, it, obviously, um, knowledge is key. Mm -hmm. And where you get that knowledge is very important. So opening yourself up to as many resources as possible is important. You're going to find mentors along the way that are going to be amazing. And you're going to find some that you're going to be like, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't so helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the key thing is to really have an open mind. Learn to question things. Don't just assume, oh, well, I've done this, so therefore I know. Um, I, I always find it funny that in the firearms industry especially, it doesn't matter if they're men or women, uh, a lot of people claim to be masters of something or experts at something. And I've been doing this for, gosh, like 25 years, and I don't even consider myself a master or expert in all things shooting. So it's definitely a learning process, and you always have to keep that in mind. Definitely. Who are your role models or mentors? Gosh, there have been so many along the way. Um, and, you know, I, I look to historical figures for inspiration. I look to, you know, different industries for people who are very successful in business, entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Um, but I also look at everyday people like my dad, my mom. My mom doesn't shoot that much, but she always knew the right thing to say mm -hmm. when I had a bad day at the range. And so when you can connect with people who have those little qualities that can make you become a better leader or make you become a better person or help you with a specific goal, you have to grab onto them and accept them. You don't need to have these big lofty, oh, I need to be just like so-and-so, insert name of big celebrity or whatever. Um, you can learn so much from everybody. Recently, we um, two, two of the female guests that we've had on um, uh, Cheyenne Dalton and Jessica Nyberg, uh, they both said that you were their role model. Which I agreed Aww. with them. <laughs> um, how does that like? How does that make you feel? And how do you? 
I mean, does it, do you feel pressure to live up to certain expectations because so many women are looking up to you? I don't. I think you, the second you become so caught up with how other people convey or what they think about you, you lose sight of who you are. And the older I get, the more I learn that at the end of the day, I have to be happy with myself and what I've done and knowing that I've done everything that I could with what I had in that amount of time means everything. And if it helps someone along the way, that's amazing. But you can't be wrapped up in everyone else during your own journey. It's very important to obviously have goals and use mentors and look up to people. But at the same time, you you can't you can't be blinded by all that's going on around you. If I cared about what everyone said of me on the internet, good or bad, um, I would never get anything done. So I always try to think of the end goal, the the big picture, and about the person I want to be, and then. That's something that I could say, hey, you know, it's great that someone in the industry looks up to me or my daughters or whatever, but I have to look at myself first and go, yeah, and and I'm happy with it. Absolutely. Uh, So you recently just won the world championship, which is incredible. And I remember reading your Instagram post, how it took you uh, so many years and all these people helped you. And I mean, that's like pretty much the ultimate goal. Like, where do you go from there? So it's funny. I I have been like going after this thing for a long time, 18 years, right? And uh and when it was all said and done, it was this amazing moment of pride and and whatever. But now the medals on the on in the library hanging up and it's like, "All right, what's next?" You know? Exactly. <laughs> um, I think that's a uh, uh, part of the of who I am. It's always been a what's next kind of thing. And sometimes the what's next takes a long time, but uh it was, it's definitely something I'm proud of because I was able to finally do it. And I don't like leaving things undone. So it, it allows me, I think, to really focus on the next chapter. Speaking of the next chapter, Lacey and I, we know that you're running for the NRA board, which you just recently announced. Yeah, yeah. That has to be super exciting. Tell us about the process. First of all, you have to get nominated, right? Yes, you can. You have to be nominated or you have to have a certain number of signatures in order to run for the 76th seat. Um, And that gets voted at the NRA convention, um, I believe. (laughs) This is all such a huge learning process. And it was amazing to me when I was researching it. I couldn't find like the the Wikipedia. How do you get nominated and elected for the board? (laughs) You know, kind of thing. And so um, and that was one of the reasons, honestly, that really kind of inspired me to to say yes to doing it, because I feel like there's this big disconnect with communication with how we run things within the NRA and how we connect with people, how we connect our programs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the things that's really, really important to me. Um, the political aspect is always a little bit terrifying because mm-hmm. you open the door to people who are sometimes not so kind. <laughs> and that happens even within our organization. Like if you don't believe very specifically in what they believe, they are going to tell you exactly what they think of you. And that can be frustrating, um, but it's also motivating. So uh, I'm like, it's kind of like, holy cow, I'm really doing this. But at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really doing this. <laughs> so it's been, a, it's been a journey and it's not even like close yet. So it's funny. And in order to vote for you, what do people have to either be a lifelong member or they have to have been a member for at least five years, correct? Five consecutive years. Yes. So and if- you have to, and I believe, again, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that you have to be either a life membership 
a life member by March of next year, or um, you have to be that consecutive member for five years leading up to that. And that's, it makes a lot of sense because they don't want people jumping in to affect the elections who Mm -hmm. aren't really invested in the organization. Um, So uh, it's, it's kind of a complicated process, but when you get to that point, when you are um, a life member or higher, and you have that consistent membership, you'll get a ballot in the mail with your publication, whatever you chose, whether it's Rifleman or First Freedom, and uh, then you'll be able to vote. So, And then you just mail that in. Yep, you just right. mail it in. All right, so guys, if you want to vote for Julie, you know how to do it. <laughs> Stand by your mailbox and wait for your ballot. <laughs> I think uh, I think the NRA definitely, it needs new blood, and somebody, you know, definitely female um and definitely somebody who is younger like it would be nice for the nra to appeal to you know more people that are a younger age um and then especially women because women are really like they're taking over the industry so i think that to have more female females on the board would be absolutely amazing it's definitely you know necessary you know it's it's funny yeah, I agree completely. And and a lot of people are saying the same thing and they're like, oh, the NRA needs to change. It, it, the interesting part of this is that it's not like I decided to go out and run for that 76 seat, right? Yeah. The NRA actually realizes and understands this and the nominating committee has said, you know what, we, we need to have some women and, and some female perspective and uh, maybe younger voters. So uh, it's not just myself that's running on the, the women's side of things. You have uh, lots of you know, four other women that I can name off the top of my head that are uh, very prominent female leaders within our Second Amendment community. So that's a it's a movement. It's not it's sometimes we're like, oh, the NRA, you need to do this. But they're actually trying, which is fantastic. And I think that's a great. Do you feel the industry is a supportive place for women right now? I do. I do. I you know, I think with all male dominated industries, it's a challenge mm-hmm. and figuring out how to crack the nut, proverbial nut, <laughs> can be tough. Um, but it, it is a welcoming place. And, you know, now more than ever, just the development of firearms and gear alone. When I first started, I used some crazy stuff. <laughs> and to be able to, oh, gosh, to, to have a gun that fits my hand and to have someone consider my size and my hand shape and my my things that are important to me is so, so nice to see. And uh, it's kind of like the car business, you know, uh, it's, it's like, oh, wow, an adjustable seat. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Uh, all those little things that, you know, we really appreciate. It's not just about the cup holders. Um, it's, I think it's a great thing. Is there anything that you think that should be uh, changed or, you know, something that could be done to make it a little bit more supportive? So I would love to see uh, more female companies. I think that there's a great opportunity for the industry to have women-run businesses. There are certainly a handful, and uh, there are a lot of great leaders within uh, some major companies, and that's a great thing. But they tend not to be very vocal, and they tend to be like, oh, you know, we're we, yeah, we run this, or yeah, I'm the, the vice president of this. Um, so I think leadership program of some sort among women leaders within the industry uh, as a way to connect. You see this in, in other businesses all the time, with female entrepreneurs and stuff like that, um, as a place to encourage and uh, and develop. I think it's important to distinguish, though, that you can learn from anybody. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, a lot of people, even with, it, with shooting, for example, I learned from my dad. It did not hurt me at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've learned from men all my life. It did not hurt me at all. You can learn from anyone. Um, but sometimes it's nice to have that and the considerations that we think about. Are there any companies specifically in the industry that you love? 
that, you know, that are female owned and operated? Um, you know, there, there are several out there. Um, I think the, the key thing that brings, that makes me proud is the, the fact that so many of them are willing to connect with you in such a friendly level. Mm-hmm. Um, like Brenda Potterfield, for example, she does so much within the firearms industry with Midway USA. Um, and it's unsung, you know, you may see a profile of Brenda somewhere, you know, oh, there's Brenda, you know, doing her thing, donating money, but she really is very, very active. Um, Smith & Wesson has incredible female leadership within the company, within the investor relations, within finance. Um, and that's a really, really neat thing. So um, I would love to see more gunsmiths, more female gunsmiths out there. I think that's a, an area that I fun of, of women participating in in comparison. I think that would be a really cool thing. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Those who want to be like you. What would you say? <laughs> I mean, like how often do you practice? I mean, are there ever days that you just don't want to practice? Because even as an instructor, there's days where after I'm done teaching, I know that I should probably, you know, practice at the range and shoot off a few rounds, but it's like, I just want to go home. It's almost, you know, it's like a cleaning lady. Um, you clean everyone else's house and then at the end of the day, you go back to your house and it's trashed. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. so one, like what motivates you Two, how do you practice? How often do you practice? And are there ever days where you feel like that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's very easy to come up with an excuse not to do something, especially if you don't really want to do it. I think that's the key though. Mm-hmm. Having a very specific reachable goal is very, very important. So just saying, Hey, I need to get to the range to practice more because I need to be more better yeah. <laughs> is not really going to be that motivating at the end of the day when, you know, you just want to put your feet up and Netflix and chill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that it's important to say, all right, Uh, Maybe you want to work on one thing that's very specific, draw speed, for example. All right, I need to learn how to draw in under one and a half seconds consistently on a target at 10 yards. That's what I want to do. And every time you find those little successful moments, like, yes, I'm at 1.61, that can be used as motivation later on. So I think the key is to be very specific in your goal setting, write those goals down, make sure that they're realistic and work on them bit by bit and have a bunch of small goals so that eventually, you know, it's going to help the bigger goal picture at the end of the day. And then how often do you practice? So it all depends on um, what I'm currently working on, what time of year it is, what the competition season is like. This past season was very heavily skewed to preparing for the world shoot. So I practiced a lot. I actually didn't even shoot that many matches because I knew it was more valuable for me to shoot the type of stages and, and drills that would help me win the end game match that I wanted to win so much instead of all the little things along the way. Um, that's about smart goal setting, which is I think is very important. Um, this time of year, I I'm done. <laughs> I am shooting for fun. Um, I'm hunting. I'm I'm you know maybe doing some videos and that sort of thing. But I you can't maintain a level of I must go train every single day, all day long, and expect terrible gains all the time because mm-hmm. you have to understand everything ebbs and flows in in every way. Um, so right now, not a whole lot in the heat of the season. Every every day that I can, as many as five days a week, you know, as many many things that I can do juggling, you know, the kids, the house, the family, the job, the, you know, all of that. So, which you do an excellent job of. I see on your Instagram all the time, you're like making gourmet meals and I'm wondering, (laughs) I'm like, all right, if it doesn't fit in the microwave or if you can't cook it in the microwave uh, (laughs) and I'm, I'm single, (laughs) I have a little dog that's literally sitting on my lap right now. Um, 
And that's it. Like, I don't know how you juggle all of those things. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, even if I feel like cooking, I'm like, I think about, okay, but then I have to clean everything up. And I'm like, I just, and I'm a clean freak and I don't want to dirty my house. <laughs> I think I just go through that whole, like, do I really have to feed them again? Like, didn't they just eat? I really have to cook yeah. another meal. <laughs> I actually usually just go to Lacey's cause she's actually a really good cook. <laughs> But you know, how do you manage me, to do that? It, you know, first of all, they have to be fed, you know, and, and there are days that I don't do anything. Um, it's like, no, nope, it's butter a and Chinese jelly. takeout. <laughs> so um, I think the thing is it, you have to find what you enjoy doing. So I like cooking. So it's mm-hmm. an easy thing for me to to share and uh, experience. The thing that I, I, you know, I don't know if you you catch it, but none of my meals are exactly like, it's not like I'm making, you know, on, you know, <laughs> from Julia Child stuff or whatever. I'm like throwing it in a bucket or a uh-huh. skillet <laughs> and they look good at the end, but uh, it's fast, it's easy. And I've learned to incorporate things like, oh, there's this bag of rice that I can put in the pot right here. That's going to be ready instead of having any of that. So you had to figure out with my meal situation, I think about the one big thing that I want to make awesome whether it's steak or the turkey or whatever it is, and then everything else is kind of like, okay, bonus. <laughs> and and that doesn't get as much time. For sure. So since we're already off subject, we're all wondering uh, what's going on with all the chickens, Julie? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm a chicken mama. And um, um, I've had a rough summer. We've had a lot of predator problems this summer. Mm. And my chickens up till this point have been 100% free range. And that's a problem when you're in Missouri because there's all sorts of predators out there that are like, hmm, tasty. Yeah. And so we've lost many. So the coop is about to go through a major renovation. We had to remove some trees from the area, but um, it's <laughs> Pinterest is, is evil. I'm, <laughs> I, I saw this thing on Pinterest where I'm, I, my daughter and I have decided she's a big Harry Potter fan. We're going to create our coop as the Eggskaban, um, and we're going to like make it into this like prisoner like <laughs> kind of setup so that um, and you maybe put some dementors on the outside. I don't know, um, but we have to build a fence and make them less free range so that we don't have so many losses. We're, we are down to, oh my gosh, I, I'm getting no eggs anymore. That's how many, how many uh, chickens were down. And, and it's, it's tough because when you name them and you love them and they bring you breakfast, it's hard. <laughs> but we definitely need some coop renovations to keep them protected. So stay tuned on that. <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, chickens kind of freak me out, but I've heard from numerous people that they make great pets and um, that they're actually like pretty clean and really friendly. And so I don't know. The eggs are good. I can't. (laughs) That's all I have to say about it. The (laughs) eggs are so good. I'm so, I just, I get weirded out about eating like a brown egg. I get weirded out about eggs in general, but. (laughs) So does my husband. So does Chad. He does the same thing. He's like, why? Fair enough. Why did you buy brown eggs? I can't. That's not an egg. It's organic. (laughs) That's what I try to tell him. And he's like, I like the white ones. Yeah. And it's, it's probably just dyed, right? It's so funny. The certain chickens lay certain colored eggs. So there are even chickens that lay blue eggs. They're called Easter eggers. So there's, there's, it's all, if you, oh my gosh, just Google it. I mean, the chicken people as one of them, we are crazy. Just, you know, kind of like gun gun folk, (laughs) but uh, yeah. 
All right. So last question for you. So you used to be on a podcast and it was actually with the Firearms Radio Network, which is what Gun Funny is on. How long did that go for and what made you stop doing that? Uh, it was, we had quite a few episodes. Um, I don't remember how long it went for. It was with co-host Randy Rogers, fellow competition shooter. Um, and the reason we stopped was just time. It was really hard to juggle um, being in different places. I mean, like, you guys are sitting in the same room. That's amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Randy and I were like, hey. <laughs> you have no idea today? how oh, amazing no, how it is. <laughs> so it became really difficult. I, it was a lot of fun. And right now I do a little bit of uh, a, a tip time segment on the Women's Gun Show podcast, which is another podcast out there. I love podcasts. I think they're really cool. I listen to them, you know, when I'm mowing the lawn, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's fun and, and uh, <laughs> all that. But, um, the amount of time I think I think in order to do something well, you really have to dedicate a lot of time to it. And so at this point right now, I have enough balls in the air that podcasting is probably not one I'm gonna throw into the next <laughs> So it's time consuming. Um and then just having to release a show once a week, which is how often our show is released, but um even that, I mean, there's just when you have all this other stuff going on, so we usually record um even like a week or two in advance, which I realized I made a mistake when I asked you guys about Halloween that this show isn't going to come out until November. Until after <laughs> so I was like, great <laughs> mistake. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to have a few uh, in the bag so that if something does come up, because things always come up, you could always plan. But yeah, and even though the show's only an hour, there's still a lot of time that goes into a podcast. Yeah. No, a huge amount of time. The research, the questions, the the metadata, the it was all of the little things that's really started to bog me down. Like, oh, I got to make an image. Now I got to do this, and you know. So it was all of those things that, you know, when you're juggling everything else, it makes it really, really tough. All right. Well, I don't know if you've listened to any of our previous shows, but we do have a prank call segment. Hopefully, you think it's funny. <laughs> 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 it's uh, yeah. All right. Here we go. It's time for Prank Calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! All right, so this prank call, Sean and I did it uh, just a few days ago, actually, and we're still laughing about it. Um, it's I actually got this idea to do a prank call because I heard on the radio that somebody did a prank call to somebody and it was to a hairdresser and they were like, yeah, do you have a lost and found? Um, I need my hair back. So I thought it would be funny to do one with um, with casings. So here we go. And it just takes a second. <laughs> Thank you for calling Magnum Shooting Center. This is Dan. How may I help you? Uh, yeah, hello. Um, I was wondering, do you guys have a lost and found? I'm sorry, what's that? Do you have a lost and found? We do, yes. Uh, did you leave something here? Yes, I did. Uh, it was 9mm casings. Those uh, wouldn't be in the, the lost and found. Those get recycled. Oh, great. My husband's going to be so mad. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me put him on the phone. Hello? Yeah. Hello, my wife was there. She was shooting the blazer brass, and she left all the brass there. And uh, we need to come pick that up. It's our property. Uh, do you have a lost and found? The brass, if it was left on the ground, it gets swept up and it gets recycled. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, we could just come pick it up. It's about two hundred rounds. Uh, we've got the boxes and everything. So can we just come up uh, today? Uh, like, what what day's best for, to p come pick that up? 
it's it's gone. We sweep that brass up and it's recycled immediately. Oh, or at the end of the day. Sir, I, I apologize, but that's off you, property. I I realize that, and we're more than more than willing to let you pick up your brass while you're here. But there's no way of us telling knowing that 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 brass is going to be claimed. Most people leave their brass, and I'm talking, most people leave their brass for us to sweep up and recycle. Sir, sir, if I leave my car in the parking lot of Walmart overnight because it had a flat tire or something, Walmart doesn't claim my car. How can you claim my brass? Like, my wife left it. It's an accident. We'll come pick it up. It's no problem. I'm, I'm willing to give you brass for this, but I'm going to tell you right out this is a one-time deal. The brass is recyclable. It hits the ground. Uh, you can pick up your brass when you're here, but if you leave it, it it becomes ours. It's a recyclable. We need to clean up the range. It goes away. I feel like this is Mad Max rules. I feel like we come in <laughs> and we accidentally leave it and suddenly you just claim ownership of our property. I mean, I, 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 let, me, let me just say this. I appreciate that you let us come get it the one time. Um, and honestly, if, if that's the case, I just won't let my wife come shoot anymore because she is just not responsible enough to pick up our, our brass. And I think that that's a huge problem for us. That's a decision you're going to have to make on your own. Oh, the decision is made, so I, I, trust me on that one right now. So, uh, we can come up. Uh, what day is it works best for you guys? Anytime you want to come. I will let the range officers know that you, you are picking up 200 rounds, 9-millimeter brass. All right. It, it has to blaze it because that's what I like to reload, so we'll have to go through whatever there's, you have. There's no chance of that happening. No. <laughs> there's no chance of that happening. If you want to go through and sort through it yourself, you can do that, but there's no chance of that happening. Oh, sir, I will definitely do that. It, it, I will do whatever it takes to get my property. Um, so, Gertie, yes? they're going to let us come pick up the brass, so you're off the hook this time. But seriously, it can't happen again, okay? Okay, but I told you, Malcolm, it was, a, it no. was an accident. I completely forgot well, about it. Then you're not responsible for a firearm if you can't even pick up the brass. Uh, sir, what was your name again? I'm sorry, what's that? Uh, uh, what was your name again, sir? I apologize. My name is Dan. Dan, thank you so much. We'll be up uh, 200 rounds, blaze of brass. I'll, I'll sort through whatever we need to. I just assume it's like uh, like uh, just a couple hundred rounds or something. Uh, no, you're talking about 55-gallon drums full of brass. Oh, Jesus That's Christ, Gertie. To sort through. What? All right. All right, Dan, thank you very much. I got some problems on my end to take care of, so we'll be up. I appreciate your time. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> so I can't believe he agreed to give you casings. I know. It's, it's actually Talk about customer service. I know every time, every time that we make these prank calls, I mean, to date, we've only had two people hang up on us. And one person was my dad, <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, like it is the gun industry has the best customer service. They're so patient. I would have been like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> Even over the weekend, I played the prank call from my dad, and he's like, I can't believe they're still on the phone. I would have hung up on you. But my dad's from New York, so of course he has no patience. <laughs> you wanted to talk about uh, the Smith & Wesson M&P uh, 2.0, the Shield, right? Yeah, we, the Shield is brand new, hot off the press. I was one of the first people to get one and do video on it, and it's a lot of fun. Um, yes, the... Uh, Smith & Wesson M&P Shield is obviously a rather popular uh, concealed carry platform, especially for women. Um, mm -hmm. It's my personal carry gun, and they've recently launched a 2.0 version with some pretty cool features with a textured grip and a lighter trigger, crisper trigger, which is, is really cool in a carry gun. I don't know about you guys, but oh my gosh, <laughs> the evolution of carry guns, especially for ones that fit our hands, are, it's huge. And I know there are so many people out there that say, oh, revolvers, they're for women. And I understand that they're very simple, they're easy to use, point, pull the trigger, that sort of thing. But the trigger pull is huge. And I wish more people would 
talk about the importance of a lighter trigger for women with smaller hands and not as much finger strength because I think that's such a, a big thing and I really think Smith and Wesson hit it out of the park with the shield. So what is uh, how many pounds is that trigger on the two point I don't know exactly what the weight is, um, but it has it has a very similar feel to a lot of other striker fired guns if you're familiar with okay. a reset. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people like a really firm audible reset feel and that's the transition that went in with that so it has a crisp feel you'll feel up that take up as you squeeze the trigger so it's kind of loose and then you'll feel it tighten and then as you press it just breaks which a lot of people really like they don't want to have that anticipation of a revolver trigger where they're just rolling through it rolling through it rolling through it and then they gotta let it all the way out again um so it makes it uh, a an easier option for a lot of people used to that style especially younger shooters (laughs) definitely yeah anytime somebody wants a revolver i mean unless they just physically cannot you know rack the slide on the gun or there's just something absolutely um and even then there's techniques that i try to teach them but um i always try to talk people out of a revolver because you're right like the trigger just unless you're pulling back that hammer the trigger just sucks it's just it's way too much you know too much slack (laughs) before you even hit anything or i mean you probably won't hit anything with that long trigger pull (laughs) You know, like larger, larger frame revolvers are great because they, you know, they are simple to use and you can really, you know, have a really nice trigger pull put on them. They're really nice and smooth. But the problem when you add all of these things into a lighter weight package, you've got a gun that's going to kick quite a bit more. Mm -hmm. It's going to have a really long trigger pull. If you have really big hands, it's a problem. If you have really small hands, it's a problem. And it takes a lot of work, a lot more work. And you can be very successful with it. And it's very comfortable to carry, but not a lot of people want to put in the time and the effort with it. So I actually have a shield here that I just got back this week and I had some work done to it. So they milled out the slide, (laughs) they milled out the slide and then they, uh, Cerakoted, uh, the little sections that they milled out. And then, um, I replaced the barrel, uh, with a true precision barrel. And like I said, I just got it back. Um, when did I get it? I got it like a few days ago. I haven't shot it yet. You know, when sometimes guns, they look so good. You just don't want to shoot it. <laughs> it's That's kind of how I feel, but I haven't had my, yeah. I haven't had a chance to shoot the, any of the 2.0s actually, or maybe no, I have, I have shot the full, the full size 2.0 and I like that, but, uh, I haven't had a chance to shoot the shield. So hopefully soon. I would love to try it too. When you do get a chance to try it. Okay. I guess I can share. Can you take me? With, can you please take me with you, please? Yeah. <laughs> All right, iTunes reviews. Lucy, do you want to read the reviews that we got this week? Sure. All right. So this one says, "I'm a Patreon, humorous and educational. I always look forward to the new episode of Gun Funny. Just the right amount of learning and laughing." From the female perspective, can't wait to follow Lacey's gun journey and hearing more about Sean's white cake addiction. I've thought about supporting other podcasts, but when I found out I could be a gun funny Patreon, I jumped at the chance. Malcolm and Gertrude crack me up. (laughs) Whiskey Mad Bro. Effing hilarious. First podcast I've ever listened to. I had no idea what a podcast was until Gun Funny introduced me to it. Love seeing women in the industry and love the funny but serious approach to the show. Great job. Awesome. Thanks guys so much for giving us iTunes reviews. If you haven't done so, uh, you could just go onto iTunes, search for gun funny and, uh, and then on the bottom where it says reviews, you can review us and we'll read it on, on the show. Um, we really appreciate it. It, 
basically I know iTunes sometimes could be a pain, especially working it. We appreciate the reviews. It kind of gives our, our podcast puts us on the map basically yeah so we appreciate it all right wrapping up so if you guys want to find us on social media we're on facebook twitter instagram youtube you can find us at gun funny show um or to find those links you can just go to gunfunny.com also we do have a patreon group now so if you would like to become a patron that's there's a link on the website you could donate to the show, get access to our Patreon-only Facebook page, which you only have to donate a dollar to become a member of the Facebook page, or depending on your level of donation, $5 gets you entered into a raffle, plus uh, access to our Gun Funny Snapchat and our Facebook page. So there's a bunch of different levels. You can get exclusive shirts. You could even have an opportunity to be a guest on the show. If you guys are interested in becoming a Patreon, just go to gunfunny.com and uh, click on that Patreon link, or you can go to patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. All right. And Julie, where can listeners find you? Uh, best place is my website. I have everything listed out there. It's juliegollub.com, all the social media links and all of that good stuff, my blog, everything. Cool. Do you follow? Of course. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. All right. Well, Julie, thank I'm you gonna so check. much. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> go to your followers. Look for Lacey Gunfunny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Oh, this has been so much fun. I appreciate it. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.